Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers of America, had lots of incendiary and blasphemous things to say about Jesus, about Christianity, and about the Bible. If you look them up, they're not hard to find. Here's an example of just one of the things that he wrote. Uh, This is about the Bible. He says, whenever we read the obscene stories, the voluptuous debaucheries, the cruel and torturous executions, the unrelenting vindictiveness which with, with which more than half the Bible is filled, it would be more consistent, now listen to this, that we call it the word of a demon than the word of God. It is a history of wickedness that has served to corrupt and brutalize mankind. He's talking about the Bible. And for my part, I sincerely detest it as I detest everything that is cruel. Now, Thomas Paine is also the founding father who on January 10th, 1776, published the pamphlet Common Sense. This was the best-selling pamphlet at the time, and if you take into account the... uh, the, uh, the amount of people living in America at the time, it's actually the best-selling printed thing uh, in the history of America, meaning stuff that was written in America and printed in America. Common Sense has sold more copies per capita than any other piece of printed literature. That pamphlet was really the spark that ignited the American Revolution. And early on in the pamphlet, Thomas Paine says this about government. Government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil. In its worst state, an intolerable one. The whole pamphlet is filled with anti-government diatribe It's not surprising that it helped light the spark of the American Revolution. But given the fact that Thomas Paine so hated the Bible, and given the fact that Thomas Paine's writings were present at the birth of this country in which we live, it's important to remind ourselves that what Thomas Paine thought about government is in direct contradiction to what God has to say about government. And because those ideas are present in the very fabric of America, and because sometimes we, uh, whether you're an American or not, sometimes we fall prey to thinking the same way that Thomas Paine thought about government, it's important for us to be reminded, what does the Bible actually say? about government. What does God tell us about government? This year we're going through a series in the book of Titus and we're talking about how to live a godly life. And Titus is giving us lots of topics to talk about what does it mean to live a godly life in a world where everything seems out of control. Well, as only God could plan it, this week we were scheduled to talk about the topic of submission. In Titus chapter 2, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 1, 
it says, remind the people to submit to governing authorities. And as I prayed about those two, it felt like at the season for which we are in, that God was highlighting the need to do what Titus 3.1 says. So let me put up that scripture so that you can see it. Paul writes in Titus 3.1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. You see, submission is what we call a quiet idea. It's not something that gets a lot of attention. It's not something in which we associate being loud and boisterous and those sorts of things with. It's part of what it means to be a quiet Christian. But submission was the essence of what Jesus did. He submitted to the will of his Father 100%. And submission is commended all throughout the New Testament. And so Paul says, remind them. Remind the people to be subject or submit, it's the same word, to be subject to rulers and authorities. So I'm here this morning to remind us to submit to the rulers and authorities. And in order to best remind us, I'd like to take us to a passage of scripture where Paul spells out in more detail what he says in shorter form in Titus 3. So I'd like to invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, I'm gonna read the first five verses and then make some comments on what it is they have to say. Romans 13. Let everyone be subject, same word as in Titus 3, it's the word for submit. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Three observations from this passage. The first, government is God's servant for our good. Government is God's servant for our good. I don't think that Paul could have been any more emphatic about this. I don't think he could have been any more explicit 
He says it in the opening sentence. There is no authority except which God has established. And then he simply repeats it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. He says it again in verse two. Whoever rebels against government is rebelling against what God has instituted. He says it in the beginning of verse four. The one in authority is God's servant. He says it again in verse four, at the end of verse four, they are God's servant. He says it again in verse six, we didn't read that verse, but in verse six he says, they are God's servant. Six times, Paul says, government is from God. And that government is given by God as a blessing. It's almost as if Paul knew that Thomas Paine was going to come along and tell us that government was evil. That even the best forms of government somehow are bad. It's as if God knew that it would be very easy for us to begin to disdain government. And of course, Paul must have thought that himself. Remember, this is the book of Romans, and so it means it is being written to the city of Rome. And if you remember, the government that Paul is talking about here is the government that put Jesus to death. Rome is the one who had the authority through Pontius Pilate to declare Jesus guilty and to crucify him. Paul knows that better than most. Paul is also writing this at a time when Nero is the emperor in Rome. If that name rings a bell with us, it's because Nero was not a good emperor and in fact, Paul himself and Peter will lose their lives to Nero. And so perhaps this is why Paul emphasizes so strongly that government is established by God. Government is given to us for our good. It's not just in Romans that this is said. There are lots of places throughout the scripture where this is affirmed. One of them is in the Old Testament. A man named Cyrus, who is the king of Persia, is called a servant of God, even though he's not a believer. God says he doesn't even acknowledge me, yet I raised him up and he is a servant. He even goes so far, God goes so far as to call Cyrus an anointed one, meaning anointed by God for the work God had called Cyrus to do. And what was the work God called Cyrus to do? It was to support the Jewish people in the rebuilding of their temple back in the promised land. We read about Cyrus and his decree to help them rebuild the temple in Ezra chapter six. I think this is four, I can't remember. Four or six. Moreover, this is Cyrus's decree. I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues, meaning the taxes of trans-Euphrates, so that the work will not stop. 
whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs, for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail, so they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven and pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Government established by God is God's servant for doing good. I got here a couple of weeks ago and we thanked God for doing something similar in our day. That through the CARES Act, God has provided money through the government to our church with no strings attached to be able to support the work of the ministry. Just like it says in Ezra 6, so that the work will not stop. And whatever's necessary to enable the ministry to go forward, God is providing that through a non-believing person in the person of Cyrus. And we are rejoicing that God is still using government to bless the work of the ministry today. And actually the story of Cyrus was one of the stories that God used with our elder board to convince us that we should take this money. And Romans 13 is one of the passages in which we were reminded this is government's job. We need to allow them to do what God's called them to do. And if God has called the government to serve him and to serve his church, and God wants to use the government to give money so that the work of the ministry should go on, we need to allow the government to do what God called them to do. Because it says in Romans 13, again back there, the government is God's servants, verse 4, for your good. It's easy to forget in all the failings and struggles and difficulties of government. Where would we be without them? COVID-19 is a great example of this. Right now, you may look at our government and you think, well, we got lots of rules coming from the government. And we may think, I don't like those rules. That's fine, you're free to think that. I think that a lot. But stop for a moment and think, where would we be without the government? Is everyone just free to do whatever they feel like doing at a time like this? And each student decide for themselves whether they want to go to school or not want to go to school, whether they should have assignments or not have assignments? Should each employer decide whether they're going to have, be in business or not be in business? Should each person decide whether or not they want to take protective measures? Should people who are immigrating from one country to another, from people who are traveling on airlines, be free to do whatever they want, whenever they want, and everybody to decide something different? Would that work? It would be anarchy. God has provided government for our good. And it's easy to throw stones at what's happening, but if you stop and think, where would we be if there weren't people that God put in authority, not just over Christians, but over non-Christians as well, so that they might lead us through the situation which we're in. It's for our good. Even when Paul goes and says, the government has the ability to punish evil, that too is for our good. <clears throat> Do we really want to live in a country or in a world where there is no authority to prosecute criminal behavior? Do we think it would work well if there was simply no government, no police, no judges, 
nobody to punish evil? That would be madness. And so God reminds us first and foremost, the government is God's servant for our good. The second thing that he tells us in this passage is that we're supposed to submit to the government. Again, he's not unclear. He starts in verse one, submit. He ends in verse five with submit. Now what's fascinating about this is he doesn't use the word obey. The word obey and the word submit are similar words, but they're different. And the Bible tends to reserve the word obey for us obeying God. God is righteous, God is holy, everything that God does is good, and when God tells us to do something, the response is obey, just simply do it. But in the New Testament, God doesn't tend to use the word obey for governing authorities. And what I think this is, I think this is acknowledgement. There's lots of things that government does which is not righteous or not holy or not godlike. There are lots of things that government is involved in that God does not and will not approve of. And so God doesn't say obey them. What he says is submit to them. And the difference is you submit to somebody who is leading you. Again, that's what's happening in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this crisis. It's not so much that Washington, D.C. and Lansing are passing new constitutional rules that all of us uh, who are part of this country have to obey. That's not really what they're doing. What they're doing is leading us through a crisis the best they can. They're providing guidance. They're providing rules for how to get through this. Now, when we submit, there's a couple of aspects to it. The first is we're supposed to submit in actions, what we do. It was interesting, I saw a news article this week as I was researching this sermon. And the news article was from uh, South Africa. And in South Africa, they got different rules than we've got here. Uh, you may like other countries' rules better than you like this country's rules, but this is the country God put us in. These are the leaders God gave to us, and they're trying their best to help guide us through this. In South Africa, one of the rules is you're not allowed to travel from one province to another because of the virus. They then found they needed to make an exception for uh, funerals for people who were mourning death and needed to, to cross boundaries because of funerals. And just this week, uh, the health minister, whoever it was, got up and said that they were, they were having problems, that lots and lots of people were buying empty caskets when no one had died, and they were using those to cross boundaries. That's not submission. They were asked not to go from one province to another province, except in the case of a funeral. It kind of reminds me, I used to live in Dallas, and Dallas is a big city, and lots of traffic there, and they have a HOV lane, a high occupancy vehicle lane, and so if you're willing to carpool to work, you can use the faster lane and you have less traffic. They had a number of people who would buy mannequins 
and put them in the seat next to them so that they could drive through the HOV lane and avoid all the traffic that the rest of us were sitting in. That is not submission. We were asked by our governor to wear masks. To submit is to wear masks. We were asked if you're a business to provide those masks for people who work at your business. To submit is to do what we were asked to do. We've been asked to socially distance from one another. To submit is to do what we were asked to do. Now, there is a religious exemption for meeting together as a church. Even though we are allowed to meet together, we've chosen as a church to try to submit to what it is, the spirit of what we're being asked to do, and we're having our primary engagement be through streaming online. And so we're saying, okay, yes, we might be allowed to all gather together, but for 4,000 of us to gather together each Sunday morning does not seem like it's in the spirit of what we've been asked to do. And so although there's no rule about whether churches can meet the way that we have been meeting in the past, we are choosing to try to submit to say, okay, well, this is what our governor's asked us to do. This is what the president has asked us to do. We're trying our best to follow the spirit of what we've been asked to do. Submission involves the actions that we take. But there's a second aspect to submission. And that has to do with our attitudes. Now I'm gonna warn you up front, you're not gonna like the next verse. I didn't like it when I read it. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. It says, do not revile the king even in your thoughts. Whew, that's tough because we've all done it, every single one of us. We've all given way to thinking that people who are in government, people who are making the rules, that these people don't know what they're talking about, that they're all fools, that if we were in charge, we would make much better rules, we would do much better things. And trust me, I am not blind. I see that there are lots of things in the government that don't look anything like how Jesus would want them to look. I understand that. But God does say, do not revile the king even in your thoughts. In the book of Jude, God is bemoaning the fact that there are all sorts of people who are scoffers, rebels. He says they want nothing to do with authority. And then the example that he says is they're constantly slandering the people in positions of authority. And you know the example he uses? The archangel, archangel Michael, who when he's in a fight with Satan, a dispute, refuses to speak ill of Satan. Can you imagine that? Satan, who is purely evil, the archangel Michael says, it's not my place to verbally tear you down. First Corinthians 4 reminds us, judge nothing before it's time. Meaning, Look, who knows how this is all going to work out? I'm willing to admit that a few months ago or a month ago when they first started talking about all this social distancing stuff, I thought, this is way overblown. What are we doing here? This feels like we have made a mountain out of a molehill. But who knows how this is going to turn out? It may be that the government has been God's servants encouraging us in the right direction. We also don't know, perhaps God has been using the government to give us a Sabbath rest. 
And the people we're passing judgment on, while they're closing down all these businesses, they're doing all, this may actually be God using the government to do something to bless us as Christians. It may also be that God is frustrated with America, that God is angry at how much time we give to earning money. There's lots of passages that say, all you do is break Sabbath to go out and earn more money and more money. Maybe God is using government without them even knowing it to warn us against the idolatry of productivity and greed. Corinthians says, you just don't know. That's why we don't judge anything before it's time. And so part of the submission is refusing to slander and to speak evil, refusing to tear down those that God have put in positions of authority. We are not in any way affirming all the decisions. There is way too much wickedness. There is way too much evil. There is way too much self-interestedness in the decisions that are being made for us to affirm those as being Christ-like. But there's a difference between discerning that and choosing to slander and tear down. You've done it. I know I have. This is why Paul says, remind them. Because it's so easy to do. Remind them that part of submitting is choosing not to speak evil about the servants that God has put in positions. You can discern, but not slander. The third observation from this passage comes not so much from the passage itself, but where in Romans 13 this passage is located. When Paul finishes talking to us about submitting the governing authorities, he goes on in verse eight, and I'd like you to look at this with me, to say this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover, covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's interesting that after Paul finishes talking about submission to government, he then gives us the higher command that norms that instruction. And the higher command is love. We're told to submit to government, but we are commanded to obey God in loving one another. And this is a reminder that not everything the government does and not everything the government asks us to do is to be obeyed the way the things that God asks us to do are to be obeyed. And that in the midst of submitting, in the midst of trying to follow the leadership in Lansing and in Washington, D.C., in trying to follow that leadership, there may come times in which we need to disobey or not submit to what they're doing in order to practice love. I'm not currently wearing a mask. I was wearing one during the singing before I came up here. I was really glad to come up and preach because I got to take the mask off. 
I'm not wearing one now. Why not? Well, there's obviously, there's no one in front of me uh, or near me that I can be uh, transmitting a sickness to. But more importantly, it doesn't feel like it would be loving to God, to all of you, uh, to have a mask on at this time. And so the command to love does supersede. I feel like I'm trying to do what is in the spirit of what we've been asked to do. Likewise, there may come times in which in order to obey God and love your neighbor, you might have to break that six-foot social distancing guideline. There may be times in which God may ask you to go visit somebody, an older person, who you've been asked not to visit, but on the basis of love, you're going to choose to obey God. Now, having said that, I knew when I put this in here that what we're all going to think, me included, because I'm prone to think this way, is great. Well, all the decisions I want to make are based on love, so I'm just free to do whatever I want. If we're honest with one another, that's not really how we're making these decisions. The idea that we've been asked to wear masks uh, in certain times and in certain places, that feels like a loving thing to do. I don't really know if masks do much good for protecting the person who's wearing them. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I just don't know. But they do seem to protect other people who might be in danger, which makes wearing a mask an act of love. But what we say to one another, we say to ourselves is, I don't really feel like wearing a mask in the grocery store. And so we dress it up as, well, I'm loving God by not wearing a mask. No, if we're honest, we're just loving ourselves. If we choose to love God and love others, we will submit to many of the things that we've been asked to do. But yes, there are times in which in order to obey the command to love God and love neighbor, there may be some of the guidelines that we're not following in the, to the letter of the law. Now, I understand it's tricky. And so let me leave us with what Paul leaves us with in Romans 13 at the end. Verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension, That is rebellion and refusal to submit, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul's closing comments in Romans 13 are, look, pay attention to what is going on and how much more true is this for us now? There is a plague on the world in which God is saying, Pay attention. Life and death matters are at stake here. And what he's saying is if you and I choose this as the season to give way to our selfish desires, why would we do that? Listen, we can sit around and slander the governor for not letting us go golfing until recently, but is that pleasing to the Lord? 
We can find all sorts of ways not to submit. We can find all sorts of ways to justify our own actions. But Paul says, the person who's watching is God. And he says, pay attention. Now is the time. Look back, 13 verse 2. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And if there is a phrase that should cause us to fear in the midst of a worldwide plague, it is this. Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And so it is tricky. It's tricky to figure out how does love work. It's tricky to figure out how does submission to government work. It's tricky to figure out what is slander and what is discernment. I understand all of that is tricky. But Paul says in Titus 3.1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. And so I'm reminding myself, it's so easy to forget. And I'm reminding you that that thinking that Thomas Paine injected into the beginning of this country that somehow government is a necessary evil, that is a lie. He didn't believe the Bible. He hated Jesus. What Jesus showed us was submission. What God wrote to us in his word was that government is a blessing from God for our good and that we're supposed to submit to it. So what do we do with this teaching? Let me offer you an assignment for this week. And the assignment is this. If you're like me, you probably need to spend some time confessing. I had to spend some time with the Lord and think through, Lord, I think I forgot what Romans 13 said. Thank you, God, for this reminder. Maybe you need to take some time and confess to the Lord that you have stopped seeing government as a blessing from God. It doesn't mean that everything government does is good. But there are things you can thank God for that has come through, that has come through the government. You can thank him for a stimulus check. You can thank him for the fact that we don't have anarchy. You can thank him for the fact that he has put people who are working hard to try to lead us through this, even if they're leading us in a different way than we might want to go. There's an opportunity this week to go before the Lord and to confess. Confess that we probably have judged things before it's time. That we probably have chosen to speak evil of the king, even in our thoughts. That we probably have chosen not to submit at times when we should have. And so your first assignment this week is to kind of think through what I had to do earlier in the week. May you do it as well. Lord, I think I forgot. I think I forgot what you said. And so God have mercy. He is a merciful God. The second part of that assignment is perhaps there's something you could do that would be encouraging of what God says about government. Maybe you could post something on social media that might be positive that you're grateful for. Maybe you and I could write a note of encouragement, an email uh, to someone in a position. It doesn't have to be the president of the United States. You can write one to him, but superintendents or principals, uh, people working in the police department or fire department. There's lots of government, lots of places, local governors, government, state government, just a word of encouragement. I know that in my job, this is an incredibly difficult time. Every decision 
takes an incredible amount of thinking through. And everybody has a different opinion about how to do something. I have to imagine that uh, our governor, state legislators, local legislators, people in national government, I have to imagine that they're exhausted, that this is difficult for them, that a note of encouragement, an email, something might be a way of acknowledging that God has given government for our good to bless us. And then finally, I alluded to this in the midst of the idea of confessing. But whatever you and I do, there is an opportunity to stop and thank God. Thank God for government. Thomas Paine, we would think we were fools. But he thinks we're fools for believing in Jesus. Jesus, who was executed by the Roman government, inspired Paul to write these words in Romans 13. Paul himself will be martyred by the Roman government. And yet still the Holy Spirit reminds us, remind the people, submit, be subject to rulers and authorities. May God give us the grace to do it. Let me pray for us. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. 